Sports Minutes with Elia Danker and Ziaul Roshan. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Sports Minutes. I'm Elliot Danka together with Ziaul Raushan, who is back uh, from uh, a nice vacation. How are you doing, man? I'm very good. Mine still on holiday, but body very much in the studio. Happy to be here with <laughs> you. And yes, a lot of football to talk about. Well, I mean, while you were away for about two weeks, it was really crunch time, right? For a lot of leagues around the world heading into the winter break, the Champions League sort of wrapping up the group stages. Um, so today I thought we'd do a bit of a, a, a mid-season review and it's that time of the year where managers are at risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's often said it's Christmas time, everybody's feeling good, but when you come to be a manager of a top club, not just in the Premier League but across Europe, right, it comes with the pressure and I think with December there's going to be so much football to be played in the Premier League as well, the pressure is probably going to be cranked up on certain managers. Yeah, and well, Julian Nagelsmann will say don't go skiing. Because mm, 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 <laughs> the last time he did, I think he got a phone call. Yeah. Not bad for him, he's now a German manager, so it yeah, worked out, I guess. so bad. Eventually it, it, it worked out for him. So I guess uh, let's start off with the obvious, uh, the two managers most at risk. Everyone's talking about them, uh, so Maurizio Pochentino and Eric Ten Hag, Chelsea and Man United. Let's start with Chelsea, shall we? Because, you know, just delay the pain a bit talking about Manchester United. But Chelsea, yes, you you, you wonder Pochettino came in with this reputation of working young players. And I must say, Chelsea in glimpses have played good football. Yeah, They just lack a striker. I mean, I know Nicholas Jackson got a hat-trick, two hat-tricks, in fact, earlier part of the season, a couple of weeks ago. But still, that final product is what Chelsea are struggling with. And when you talk about Jekyll and Hyde, some days they're Jekyll, some days they're Hyde. So you don't know which Chelsea is going to show up. But I guess consistency is a lot to expect from a very young team. No, that kind of money that they spend, like almost 100 million on Moises Caicedo, uh, Romeo Lavia. And you have over the weekend, uh, I believe, Pochentino talking about uh, he's going to have to look at the January transfer window. Yeah, at the same time, apparently they're willing to let go of Conor Gallagher in order to balance the books. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you watch a lot more football than me. Conor Gallagher is actually one of their most consistent performers. Yeah, I would think so. I think he's one of those, came through the academy, plays a big part for the Chelsea team, fits in. You talk about your Enzos of the world, your Casados of the world, who are all $100 million players. You need a worker. And uh, Conor Gallagher is that worker, right? So I'm quite surprised by that. But I think with Conor Gallagher, a bit like when they sold Mason Mount, there's something about FFP there where if you sell a homegrown player, your profit margins are higher, therefore you balance the books a little. And I think that is Chelsea's problem. The football or the project is now muddled by these financial decisions where they're trying to balance the books as much as trying to get good results and a good balanced squad. And I think that's going to be the biggest Achilles heel. But that will work in Pochettino's favour, I feel, in terms of getting the sack or not. Mm. Because if they sack Pochettino less than a year Mm. into his contract, can you imagine how much money Money, Todd Bowley has to pay out just to send him off again. So I think that could possibly buy Pochettino some time. I I feel that with these two teams, right, Chelsea and Manchester United, it's very easy to look at the manager. And of course, the manager must take uh, a fair load of the blame. But um, you have to look at the structure as well, right? With uh, Todd Bowley's scattergun approach uh, as far as transfers are concerned, you would think that having wrapped up wanting to sign Pochettino before the summer transfer, Mm. we know that he'd have a say in certain transfers. But no. And now... Is the issue to buy players or to let go of players? Exactly. And I think that becomes a problem for Pochettino because is he really working with players that he wants? And I think that's why the latest comments, he said he wants to sign some players who he wants. And fair play to Pochettino, he's come in, 
six months, he's trying to assess this squad, see what he can make of it. Mm. I feel he's reached a point where he's probably identified a few good players, but he's also saying, I need someone here, I need someone yeah. there. Yeah. You just hope that Boli hasn't blown <laughs> all his money and not left anything for Pochettino to go out and buy his players. Because for this project to work, I think Pochettino needs his players. Yeah. But what is the project working? That's what I feel exactly. I want to ask Chelsea fans who may be listening in, right? What is Chelsea's realistic ambitions this year? As we look at the table now, they are 12th, which is bizarre. Yeah. Is top four, top five? Is it realistic? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a weird one, uh, especially in a season where they don't have European football. You've got your uh, Mihailovic, who is uh, you know Mudrik, Mihailo Mudrik. If I, I, I apologize, who is another one of those eight-year contract players? How do you offload such players? Is that the kind of player that Pochettino wants? He's Ex- fast, but he can't make a decision in the final third. Exactly. There's so much. Potential there, ah, but yeah, those potential the word, yeah. is not being achieved. And you see someone like Cole Palmer who tried to find a different home for Man City come to Chelsea and do so well, mm. right? And then you question why isn't your hundred million dollar player doing just as well? And exactly. that becomes becomes a problem. But I think it's gonna be an evolving problem for okay. Chelsea for okay. the rest of the year. I, I realistically think just finishing in the top half, not having Europe for them again next year. Might be good news. Does uh, Pochettino get the sack then? I don't think so. I think yeah. because, like I mentioned <laughs> earlier, too much finances at play. And I think there are managers, manager who's <laughs> in a bigger pickle. And that brings me to Eric Ten Hag, who I read this great line yeah. on The Athletic that said, United, I talked about Jekyll and Hyde earlier, right? They turn so many corners. Every good result, like you get that good result against Chelsea. You think, okay, United have turned the corner here. And then they turn the other side. So they've turned so many corners that they are essentially going around in circles now. Yeah, and they they end up back to where they began. Square one. There was uh, an article uh, where Scott McTominay came out to say that it's been toxic at times under former managers, but the players are firmly behind Eric Ten Hag. Ten Hag, as in the weeks uh, while everyone's sorting out their holidays, said that he doesn't regret what he's done with Jadon Sancho. And, you know, I, I want to put this uh, to, to you and get your thoughts on this. Manchester United is such a toxic club, and... Sports people, sports people are so egotistical and they believe in their abilities so well that any manager is going to think, I can fix it at United. Exactly. I think you make an excellent point there because as much as you talk about Manchester United, you feel like they are still, there's still some allure to going in and trying yeah. to fix this fabled institution, mm. right? <laughs> but there's so much wrong, toxic environment is one, there's no proper structure, Ten Hag is making all these big decisions, what happened if Ten Hag gets the sack and then he's the new manager who comes in is left with players yeah. that Ten Hag wanted yeah. so it's all a bit questionable yeah. I think even if, however much United flounder, I don't think the Glazers are going to act in Ten Hag, purely because there's Ineos in the background, and yeah. when Sir Jim Ratcliffe comes on board, he probably wants his own stamp, his own they model. Probably want Jim Ratcliffe to do the dirty work anyway. Maybe they do. I think. I think the Glazers at this point have dragged it on for yeah. so long. But you hope there is some form of structure because yeah. while we talk about United going on in circles this year, if you think about it, they've gone in circles every time they've hired a manager yeah. since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. Well, they've lost more matches. Uh, exactly it, that, and that's well, 10 right? years right? A, so that's quite worrying yeah, I, I think yeah. there needs to be a structure I also think there needs to be some form of patience amongst the fans tempered okay. expectations okay. I don't think even as a Manchester United fan I don't think we're even a top 5 club in England uh-huh. anymore yeah. I, I, I just feel 
it's worrying because every time United have finished above in the top four, at yeah. least, the second season, they yeah. always stumble. They always come to this. So it's a question of why rather than how again. Therefore, I I agree back then and I still continue to agree that the biggest achievement Jose Mourinho has managed is bringing United second. And and, and he said that himself. Yeah. And I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. We talk about Mourinho, but Olegana Solskjaer didn't do too badly yeah. either when you consider the circumstances. Best away run in the Champions League by an English side, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> and and Olegana Solskjaer almost understood the yeah. fans better. With Ten Hag, look, I'm not questioning any of the things he's done with Sancho, with Varane, yeah. because he has the inside line and he knows what he's doing, sure, right? Sure. But it reaches a point where why are you being so stubborn? That question is springing to mind because yeah. it's not like the results are going our way either, right? Yeah. And there's a big December coming up. We talk about matches coming thick and fast. I've read through Manchester United's matches. Yeah. We got Bayern in the Champions League, obviously. Good luck. And then we got Liverpool. Yeah. And then we got West Ham. We yeah. got Aston Villa. We we got a ton of oh, difficult fixtures coming everyone up. Everyone is looking at, at, at United and going, yay, now is the time to play them, you know. This is this is free. This is three points. Exactly. And you mentioned earlier, I was on holiday for two weeks, right? Yeah. I'm going to align myself with what Gary Neville said. Watching Manchester United does not bring me joy anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in years gone by, if I was on holiday, I would make sure I, by hook or crook, by, I remember this. By yeah. legal or illegal, I will watch a game. Or at least find out the result. Yes. Yeah. Right now, it's just, ah, uh, where yeah. should I go wonder about in this city today? Yeah. That's what I occupied my two weeks 90 with. 90 minutes of your life, don't throw it away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think it's it's unfortunate circumstance that yeah. Manchester United are in this situation. But between Ten Hag and Pochettino, surely Ten Hag is under greater pressure. Having said that, I still suspect he stays the season purely because okay. United don't really have a direction they're moving in. you got a bit of time, so I want to throw this to you as well uh, and, and get your thoughts on this. A bit left field, right? There's all this talk about an identity and identity. Is it the identity or the results that matter more? For example, Xavi. Okay, yeah, he won a title and he's got credibility, right? But... Are Barca playing the way Barca is supposed to play? Yeah, that's a fair question, especially when you consider the recent result yeah. against Girona, Girona as yeah. well, right? But I think the identity is important, but the identity only comes to the fore if it's successful. Okay. Think about Ange Postecoglou, started the season 12 matches unbeaten, went on this mazy run, Tottenham were playing front yeah. foot football. Everybody was, oh, identity is oh, great, wow. football is great. Yeah. And then he lost a ton of players through injury and suspension. And he's losing matches. And then the knives came out. Straight yeah. away, people are, oh, you guys jump on the Postacoglu hype train. Yeah. What happened now? That sort of thing. So to, your, to answer your question, I think identity is important. But you're remembered for trophies, not identities. Which so, is why I still think that Jose is one of the best managers around as much as he parks the bus because he wins you trophies, gives you history and builds that foundation for the club to grow. And now we're talking about, oh, I want to play, play this fluid style. Look, even Eddie Howe, who's playing the way Newcastle fans love, if he was losing every match 4-3... Would they be happy? Yeah, the they, they chances are they won't because three points is all that matters, right? Yes, you want to be entertained, but not at the expense of your team losing. Yeah. I take your point completely. And another thing is, I feel, yes, identity is important, but there reaches a point where you need to go back to basics as correct, well. Correct, correct. And to Postacoglu's credit, yeah. I feel he did against Wolves recently. Yes. They won 2-1. Yes. Yes. They were leading. And suddenly, in the final 10 minutes, they were just backs against the wall, yes. parking, knowing the three points Stay was in important. Your positions, keep calm. Um, that's what Rio Ferdinand said as well. Exactly. Uh, United versus Galatasaray, where they threw that away. And you're saying, no, I mean, if you're in the defense, you're telling everyone, hey, stay. And it's great that you're going for a goal, but hey, 
we got the three points, we're away from home. Let's take the three points. Exactly. I think there needs to be some maturity in that yeah, sense, I right? And you, and you brought up yeah, Scott yeah. McTominay making those comments. McTominay scores a bunch of clutch or important goals, shall yeah. we call it. But the disorder he brings to that Manchester United <laughs> midfield does not suit what Rio Ferdinand is suggesting yes. Manchester United need to do, close out games. And I think that's a problem. And we've spoken a lot about the bad. I just want to give a shout out to one manager who I think has done excellently. Yeah. That comes in the form of Unai Emery, right? I mean, look at Aston Villa. That's the way you want your club to play. I mean, they have a bunch of midfielders yeah. missing through injury. There's identity, there's winning identity, and there's a galvanizing factor. Let's have some fun. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit of time. Um, you would think Mikel Arteta, Pep Guardiola, they're all safe. Uh, but you also, based on this season, can see how they could lose a match or two. Mm. There's a mistake in them. What are the odds that Unai Emery and Aston Villa do a Leicester? I, I would love How to do you see feel it. About I, I would, How do you lo- I, I would you love to see it. I mean, as it stands, Aston Villa are very much in the Premier League title race. Oh, what, they were I, third, I think. I, yeah. I think they are. And I'm going to say this on record. I think, <laughs> I think in terms of midfields, yeah. I think they have a top three midfield really? in the league. It goes Liverpool, who've done well with oh, yeah. their revamp yeah. of the midfield. Yeah. Declan Rice has come in and made that Arsenal midfield yes. so strong. Yes. And then come Aston Villa. For me, Man City are not even in the equation because Kevin De Bruyne has missed a big chunk through injury. No one stepped up. Exactly. And they let Ilke Gundogan go to Barcelona. So they've regressed slightly. Yeah, and, yeah. and that lack of European football, I think, could help Aston Villa in this case where they come and be galvanised because I don't think they're going to take the Conference League very seriously. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to see that uh, as a bit of a break. Uh, Manchester City don't win another title and yeah, Arsenal don't get the title. But uh, if it had to be, I mean, we're only at the middle of the season. Who do you rather see win the title? Arsenal or Manchester City? Arsenal. Arsenal I, I feel yeah. like Arsenal have I think bit their it. time. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're talking about possibly having five Champions League places next year because oh. of the coefficient. Okay, so it's not yes, just a yes. top four, it's a top five. Yes. So before we go, time for me to ask you a difficult Ooh. question. Who are the top five teams that will possibly qualify for the Champions League next year? Okay, uh, Arsenal, Manchester City, Liverpool, Aston Villa... And Newcastle. Oh, oh! I almost said Spurs. I, I, I could tell. I could tell almost. Yeah, you could see. Uh, <laughs> oh, you missed this, huh? Don't <laughs> my, you? <laughs> my, my top five very quickly: yeah. Liverpool, Arsenal, Man City, Aston Villa, and Spurs. Sports minutes on Money FM eighty nine point three.